Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, welcome everyone back to Leadership is Tricky. Uh, uh, Eric Ocasio here with uh, our uh, lo and behold friend uh, and uh, co-host, Dr. Stephen Carter. How you doing, Dr. Carter? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. It's a lovely day. It's a great day to be alive. Yeah, so uh, we are here again at another Army um, uh, event for the Association for United States Army. Uh, Leadership is Tricky is uh, celebrating with um, with uh, AUSA um, because, um, you know, I do have a new title. Um, I am the Vice President for uh, professional development for the uh, C.W. Abrams chapter here in uh, in, in Germany, um, and uh, also supporting the European region as the VP for professional development. And Dr. Carter, and your your title, I am the uh, vice president for young professionals, uh, which is an AUSA initiative. Uh, it is focused on young leaders, and it's also focused on emerging leaders. Right. Uh, yeah. So. Um, you know, last time we were here was uh, 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 the, the the other event uh, on the eve of AUSA 2022 in Washington, D.C., um, and we talked a lot about young professionals. We talked about coaching, mentorship, and purpose, uh, advocacy, and, and everything that goes into, um, you know, leading young professionals. And um, so today, really what we're going to talk about are a couple things, right? So uh, you and I were kind of... Uh, building out the skeleton in flight on our way here, right? So uh, I'll say it's kind of ad hoc, but what we want to do is expand on uh, how do we communicate across gener- uh, generations, right? Um, and we, we we had a couple of vignettes, um, right? So that's what we're going to talk about uh, to, to kick this thing off. And then we're going to have a couple uh, folks come on um, and we're going to talk about what they're thankful for, right? Because we're on the eve of Thanksgiving, and, you know, we just had some turkey and mashed potatoes, uh, all excellent food here at the Penta Hotel. Um, but we're going to talk about what are people thankful for, who they're thankful for, that's kind of helped them get to where they're at today in their life. And then, you know, and then just kind of ask them why. Right. So we haven't pre-staged any of these questions. They don't know that we're going to ask it. Um, but uh, yeah. So 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 any thoughts on, on what we're going to talk about today? Ah, yes. You know what? I, I think you you made a great intro about being thankful. This is a time of the year where we uh, where we ceremoniously uh, give thanks. Of course, the obvious one is family. I'm, okay, that's obvious. Uh, so what I want to talk about is what is not so obvious. What are you thankful for? And for me, I am thankful for the opportunity to serve. As a servant leader, It is a great honor and privilege to be in a capacity and have the opportunity to serve and create efficiencies in the workplace or just help a person uh, reach their their goals, uh, help a person uh, uh, find that intersection between aspiration and achievement. Uh, That is what I am thankful for. And of course, there are many blessings that flow from that. Uh, Just, you know, this river has many tributaries. Uh, and and that's just where it starts for me. Just the opportunity to serve. I am so grateful, so thankful, and to all those who 
taught me and groomed me along the way and helped me understand uh, how to create pathways for others. No, that's that's perfect because you know one of the things that I talk about all the time and for 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 my uh, 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 for followers out there that have heard all the episodes right they hear me say this term all the time live your purpose or you always live someone else's purpose right and you know my 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 purpose you know it's it's not just um, that of my family or community right it's of service that is my purpose right but what I, I'll tell you what I am thankful for though is being a part of the army. Right. And the army uh, has given me everything that I have. Right. Um, when, when I look at my education, I look at, you know, my my well-being and livelihood and, you know, and how I make the means to, to you know, be able to take care of my family. The army has given me that, um, you know, and I, I've talked about in the past, uh, you know, rough childhood and the economic uh, uh, situation that I was in growing up. Um, you know, the trauma in my life because of, you know, whether it's physical abuse, um, you know, alcoholism, drugs, whatever the case may be. Um, the, the silver lining was, is my father was in the military. He was in the army. And uh, when, um, yeah, when things fell apart, right at home, you know, my dad, you know, took me in with, you know, my stepmother and um, the army gave us everything we had. Right. And then when I was lost in life, right. You know, um, I joined the military, right? And the military has given me everything I have to this point. So we're going to really reflect back on, you know, this event today with, you know, Association of the United States Army. One of the reasons that I joined it was because the Army has given me everything I have. And I am very thankful um, to not just the institution of the Army, but, uh, or the Department of Defense, but all of the people along the way that I have met to get into where I am. Um, the army has given them something and they've given it back fivefold to me. Um, so it, it's just interesting though, you know, when we sit there and we, we reflect back on what it is we do, why we do it, you know, cause we were both just at a retirement of a, of a gentleman that did 52 years of government service. And um, one of the things that I said during that session, and of course you were there, but um, was he had the patience to mentor coach and quite frankly, inspire me to be better at what I do. Um, and he did all of that because he was, it was thrusted onto him over the 52 years that he was serving. So um, yeah, that's, that's, that, that would be one of the things I know it's kind of long-winded, but you know, I was passionate about it. I, I understand, you know, I understand completely. Yeah. You know, you guys can't see it there. Maybe the things for your little tear coming down, but uh <laughs> no, but yeah, so let's let's talk about let's let's go ahead and talk about um communicating ac across generational boundaries, right? So I'm going to kick it over to you and hear your thoughts, right? And I know you've done your research. I know you you, you got your notes together. You know, I typically shoot off the hip, so uh, I I'll play off you right now. Oh, well, I certainly appreciate that. You know, I I believe in D&D. &D. Either documents or documentation that is an authoritative source or data, right? <laughs> if you're not talking about that uh, or talking from that, then then what are you talking about? Hey, hey, uh, assumptions, what assumptions, uh, assumptions or emotions, <laughs> right? One thing I like about emotions is just like German weather. Mm. Wait five minutes and they'll change. Wow, unpredictable. Absolutely unpredictable. Right. But what what we have found is um, from research, and it doesn't matter who who you look at, whether it's an Ernst and Young, whether it's a 
uh, a McKinsey company, uh, or if it's RAND, it, it doesn't matter. The, the, the data is, is conclusive. The data is there. Whether you're using the Department of Labor, the Department of Education, the data is there. It shows that currently we have uh, five generations in the workforce. And what I would say is uh, that the smallest group is, is probably, they're called traditionalists. Uh, that's the official name. Uh, many of us know them as the greatest generation, especially for those who served in the military, because this captures a group that served during World War II. So for those that didn't serve, how do you capture them? So conclusively, they're called the traditionalists. And right now, they're between the ages of 76 and 99. So now let's take the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's talk about your 25 and younger. These are called centennials. And everywhere in between, which I'm in the middle, I'm a generation Xer. So your generation Xers are going to be your 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 46s to 57s, roughly. Right. So what you're talking about with this group, we all communicate differently. So before I said that uh, I was grateful and what I was thankful for, and one of the things I said I was thankful for was for those who took the time to mentor me, to guide me. But here's what's interesting about that: uh, what is being said is not always what is being heard. Um, Try, if, if, if you're a young person talking to your grandparents, the language is different, how we communicate different. When we talk about millennials and centennials, they are communicators. Social media is probably their platform. When you start talking about millennials, this is the first generation that grew up completely on the internet. My generation brought the internet to you. And not only the internet, we're not talking just internet, we're talking about how to use it, the platforms, the devices. But the millennials actually grew up completely with it. They knew nothing about development. They knew only application and execution. So it's interesting just to just jump in on that because I'm an old millennial, right? I'm a, I was born in 1981, I'm 41 years old, almost 42, right? So I was probably that last generation that was moving from typewriters to, you know, a, a 686 processor, right? Like what was a computer, right? Um, you know, mm -hmm. we had AOL Messenger and, and AIM, you know, at its infancy. But, you know, my kids, my kids, you know, eight and six, you know, my daughter asked me the other day, what's a typewriter? I was like, what? Yeah. You know, one aged me, but they communicate completely different, right? They communicate through through games. YouTube, visuals, video, right? That, that's all they communicate. That's through. important that you said visuals, right? Uh, centennials can communicate completely with emojis. No words, complete, completely with emojis. Right. And they completely understand the message. And I don't. And you know, we don't. You know, because uh, we, we, in fact, we went to go visit my, uh, my uh, wife's uh, uh, grandfather, who's uh, 96 years old. Right. And he's looking at us crazy. You know, we got phones and, you know, we talk through through, uh, you know, text messages. But when we call him, you know, he's picking up he's picking up the house phone. Right. And uh, the landline. And uh, but it was interesting to have, you know. Him at 96 with his counterparts in 98, 99 years old, they were just happy to have the physical interaction and conversation face to face. Right. And then, you know, to see him there and my kids not really interact a lot because 
they were just on two different spectrums. They didn't know how to communicate. So it's very interesting you said that because um, I, I I'll tell you, me as a millennial, I, I'm on both. Sometimes I miss, you know, the the, the simplicity of, of sending a, a letter, you know, where you put it in the mailbox, put the little flag up, and a few weeks later, you get a, uh, something back, maybe, right? Um, vice the, you know, connected all of the time to this thing. Um, yes. where I'm available all the time and I don't understand half of the stuff that's out there. So, well, I, you, you, you know, I, I think there's some value in all of it. I, I think there is a, a time and a place for push to talk communication. There is a time and a place for asynchronous communication. Uh, however, what we have to realize that in this day of, of shrinking work and the shrinking workforce, but the increasing workload that the flash to bang time is a lot smaller. So that means you need a synchronous method of communication whereby we can talk in such a way and we can also collaborate. Right. We can talk, collaborate, we can share, we can integrate across platforms. That is what is required in the workforce today. And what we find is that it is challenging for some of our uh, more senior leaders to navigate this new environment because you're in an environment with people who understand this actually, believe not better than you. Uh, they actually understand how to communicate, how to collaborate better than you. How do you lead in an environment where, where your methods and approaches are antiquated? They represent a paradigm that is, that is foregone. Right. It, is, it is here to four. It is, it is 20th century. Um, so, so, Communication is so important. Communication is that link to how we navigate this time period. Yeah. So, you know, there's various ways to communicate, right? You've got, you know, platforms, you've got social media, you've got, you know, still, you know, some of the legacy stuff like email, you know, meetings in person, but it's also the terminology, right? And, and the connection, right? Because I, what I find now in the workforce and having folks that, you know, I used to say I was a young guy, but I'm not the young guy anymore, right? I'm kind of, you know, starting to look like the seasoned professional, right? Not to say old, but seasoned. Um, I like that. But having having the, the, the terminology and, and understanding that the younger generation actually want to communicate with feeling, right? Um, they want to be valued and they want the words that they're saying to be heard and valued. And sometimes we have to make a concerted effort as leaders to understand them on an emotional level, the things yes. that motivate them, inspire them, um, and then be kind of vulnerable to the fact that it might not be the way you feel or you don't understand, but to open yourself up to what it is that they need, right, in order to be effective in the workforce. And a lot of it is just understanding what they're saying. You know, you're so right, um, Eric. And if I could, if I could just merely punctuate your point um, and some of they don't care about the things we care about. Um, and th th there was a time, the time is still today, uh, where we are really deeply into the politics and, and, and oh, and, and how we should approach this because of the future where where a younger generation or I just want to be free. I don't I don't. I don't discriminate against this group. I don't see this group as threatening. I, right. Matter of fact, I believe in embracing this group. Why not? Um, so it's, it's, 
how we see it, you know, I think we, we look at things through a generational lens and, and, and whether it's in the workplace and we're accomplishing tasks, because I, I think you and I had a great conversation. Um, uh, it, it could have been yesterday where we talked about work. There's only two types of work uh, in the workplace. There is task based work and there is uh, productivity based work. Right. Uh, and sadly, most people are just doing task based work, which means it's not working toward a resolution. It's just work. And it just keeps you working. Um, and, and you have younger generations that are not, uh, they're not excited by uh, task-based work. They want to achieve, they want to accomplish something, they want a sense of accomplishment. Uh, so, so it's incumbent upon us as, as, as more se senior seasoned leaders to find a way to, to create an environment of productivity-based work where we're working smarter to accomplish even greater ends than we could have um, using some of the uh, some of the dated paradigms right. we use now. Yeah, because that's what I have found is you know having both sides right. You know, I've got someone as old as 61, 62 in in, in the workforce, and I've got someone as young as uh, you know twenty five, twenty six. Um, and having the conversations with both is when, when I talk to the the more senior person is like their mind is always work right. Here's the, the function, here's the task, here's the results. This is how I'm going to get there. And that's the only thing they talk about, right? When we sit down, I know when that person walks in or those people walk in, they're going to talk about the work, right? You know, hey boss, this is what I'm gonna do. This is what I'm gonna deliver by this date, right? Get the different, the other side of the spectrum, they come in and it's, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? Oh, what'd you do last weekend, right? So there's a lead up right? There's a connection built before yes. you start talking about the, the the work, right? And then when you get to the work, it's more, you know, this is kind of what I think about it. This is kind of what I've done. Here's my strategy and plan. And what they're looking for is for you to support them, right? And, and, and uh, encourage them. They're looking for that instant feedback, right? Because I find that a lot, you know, the, the, the younger, younger generation, they need that constant feedback, Yep, that's that's where we need to go. And but the touch points are more frequent with the younger generation than yes. the, the more seasoned folks. More seasoned folks, like I've been doing this forty years, I'm gone, right? I, I'll see you at the end. Yes, you know, and then you hope they deliver what they said they were going to deliver. But then the, the 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 young person's more like, hey, more agile in the way that they work through things, right? Hey, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. I found some efficiencies here. I want to cut this waste out, right? And but but it's it's about the meaningful connection and the dialogue and the why of why we're doing it right yes, the why you know and I, I was actually reading an article not too long ago it was talking about um, consumers right consumers especially the millennials or or, or younger are are buying be, or get behind a brand because of a social cause because they can connect it's no different than in the workplace, right? They need to get behind a cause and the why we do what we do. So I think it's important as leaders is one, explain the why and create that direction and gain that alignment and commitment, right? Behind that meaningful connection in that work and then allow them to just kind of figure it out and be there to encourage coach, mentor, and to use your, your terminology is advocacy, right? Let me go advocate on their behalf so they can get the results that they, they're, they're set off to achieve. And, and just be be open to 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 that instant feedback and the needs that they have, you know, and understanding kind of kind of where they're going. And yeah, I, I just want to throw that in there because you know, just you know, we go through this every day, you know, with, yes. with both sides of the spectrum, especially in 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 the government workforce that we're in in our field. 
and even in IT, right? You know, because in IT, you we, we have to be on top of technology and yes. you start to see as change is, is happening, you know, how do you now communicate to the more seasoned folks that are losing something because Brother, of that change? Yes, uh, because when I, when I look at the workforce, uh, we, we have two ends of the spectrum. We really have three groups. You have those with, with underdeveloped um, capabilities, okay? And that's just because they're young. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. You have to live and learn. You have the other end of the spectrum, which is diminished capacity. Hey, I've always done it this way. I'm going to keep doing it this way. I know this is new, but I'm not doing that. And then you have that group in the middle. And that's what you call they're your early adopters. They're extremely agile. They're open to new things. They're always going to try new things. And they're always going to be the first to offer some sort of innovation or, or efficiency and, and be the first to test it. So, so you basically got these three groups of people that are all in this common workspace. Um, and, and, but we have to understand how to communicate across these groups back to your, to your earlier point, because this, this younger group, they are still highly effective and they are highly competent. But we have to communicate. We have the responsibility to communicate what our intent is, why this is important, why this is important to you, and how this can help further your career and further uh, your, your, your expertise and your trade craft. Because ultimately, we want to help you perfect your trade craft. Yeah, and back to your, your earlier point, right? When we talk about serving, right? Sometimes it's getting out of our own way, right? Tell them the why, tell them what we want to achieve and get out of the way. Right. Get out of their way. Let them run and then be that, you know, just flip the paradigm on its head. They're not here to serve us as leaders. Right. We're here to serve them. Right. And be, you know, coach, mentor along the way, help guide. Right. And then when they get lost, bring them back in and, and focus it back and then give the work back to them. Right. Give the work because, you know, what I find and I just had this conversation with someone the other day because we're doing a mentorship session. What one of the things I told them is like, you know, there's 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 levels of effectiveness. Right. Oh, yes. And if you want to be the person all the time as a leader um, to say, no, we're going to do it my way. We're going to do it this way. Right. So I'm not only telling them why, but I'm telling them how. Right. And then there's the, the layer of micromanagement on top. If I were to do that, I'm limiting my effectiveness because I'm not giving them the ability to go out and grow. Right. So then I'm also stifling their effectiveness. And then what they're going to do is they're going to vote with their feet and they're going to leave. Right. Because. I haven't created an environment where they feel like that I'm 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 pushing them up and I'm I'm supporting them and I'm you know coaching, mentoring, and inspiring. I'm not doing any of those things because my level of effectiveness isn't there, right? So sometimes you got to do a self-inventory to say, hey, what's my leadership style? Do I trust my workforce? Am I communicating to them the why? Am I creating that meaningful connection and safe space for them to thrive and grow? And, and those are just some of those things that I, I would tell leaders out there is it's like take a step back and see, hey, wh what's my level of effectiveness in the environment that I'm in, right? Because if, you, if you're putting a ceiling on that, then you have a shelf life. Yes, you do. Yes, yeah. you do. And I, I think at some point, and I think you and I have talked about this before, matter of fact, you said it quite often, we, we, we all have a shelf life. We all have a, we all hit, hit a ceiling or a plateau. Um, but, but the good news is there's ways to get beyond that. Uh, one of the ways to get beyond that is through education. It, it doesn't have to be 
paid education. It can be free, uh, you know. Um, but another way is um, I, 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 I'm never the leader uh, that wants a person to stay with me for three to five years. And in that three to five years has never taken a, a course, a class, attended a program, attended a seminar or a conference. Because what that is, what I have effectively have done, uh, I have kept someone uh, at the same level as when they arrived. They will leave exactly as they came. And, and that doesn't benefit me. Not only does it not benefit them, it, it, it hurts me worse uh, as the leader. I'm the one who suffers the most. Uh, because as the environment changes, uh, as the adversary improves and innovates, I still have the same thing. Yeah, so, but also too, just understanding, you know, just you know, taking it back to the generational differences, right? Most most young folks are only in the seat for you know two you know two to three years, and they're moving on, exactly. right? So one, how do you maximize the the, the time that they're there, and also make them more marketable? Than when they came, oh, it's all the same because in that two to three years, they could innovate tremendously. They can find efficiencies in your processes and leave the organization better than they they got there, right? But we have to invest in that. We have to pour the water on those seeds for it to grow, right? So I think it's Absolutely. it's it's on us and, um, to to make sure we do that. So Doc, yeah, because we're we're about almost twenty five minutes in. I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Right. So I know you said what you were thankful for. Um, and we know that's service. Who who along the way, and we're probably gonna call someone out um by name or or by position or whatever, but who along the way are you thankful for that they came into your life and why? Oh man, there are so many. There are so many. You get to so pick one. I can only pick one. If I can only pick one, I, I will tell you it is a gentleman that I will see in a few days. Okay. Because uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to travel the mean streets of Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, all right. Uh, I'm going to make the, the Falcons trek. win this last weekend. Hey, man. Hey, it may look like a win up until the third or fourth quarter, but man, they will find a way to lose. Oh, just they like my Cowboys, but okay, they will find a way. But uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, of Dr. John H. Carter. This is one of the most phenomenal human beings I think I have ever met. Um, he shared with me the trials he went through when uh, he was the project manager for the MLK monument um, on Washington. And if you go to the bottom of the monument, look in the lower left corner, you will see that he is honored there with, uh, um, you know, his name at the base of the statue uh, and just coordinating the event where presidents came, civil rights leaders came and uh, at that the final um um, uh, breaking of the ground and, and, and the ceremony itself. I think it was in 2010 or 2011. I can't remember, but, but he has been a mentor to me. He has, he has taught me uh, so much. And, and I know that's a, I, I want to be more specific. Everything I asked of him, he gave me a response, not necessarily an answer. He gave me a response, but everything he told me to do, I did. And I, I tell you right now, he's about a hundred and oh. Um, when I was struggling, what I should do, uh, should I pursue a doctorate? What, what, what should I do? Should I just hold what I have? He said, pursue the doctorate. I said, but I don't know what to get a doctorate. And he told me exactly what to get a doctorate in, told me exactly what school to go to. He, I mean, he, he, he broke it down, but he didn't tell me to go there because he understood me. And that's what's so important. Un 
don't just talk to anybody. Talk to people who understand you. Once they understand you, they will give you valid advice. That was the reason he told me the program. That was the reason he told me the school. That was the reason at, at every turn I asked him, I said, hey, well, what do you think about this? What should I do? He said, well, I can't tell you what to do, which is how he starts all conversations. I can't tell you what to do. Right. But consider these things. Consider those things. And, and, and he was giving me the answer without giving me the answer, but it was important he helped me find my way. And, and this is just, and even to this day, um, whether it was life, love, marriage, education, uh, he and I also belong to a great fraternity as well. So when it came to fraternal matters, he was there on that too. So, so you have to have someone in your life uh, like that. And this man has always been there. He's a retired vice president uh, AT&T. So, so he offered me in my executive level travels and executive level education. When we talk, we, we, we could talk on, on, on the same plane. I understood what he was saying. He could, he could advise at every level. And to me, that is what is so phenomenal about this man. He could advise at every level and at the human level, at the academic level, at the executive level, at the fraternal level, at the family level, at the marriage level. He just, he just. But it, it sounds like all in all, everything that you said so far is that he made time. Right. And that's that was probably the most important aspect of it is that he made the time for you to share. Right. For you to reflect and and, and learn and, and grow. Right. Oh, absolutely. And, and kind of help navigate you by throwing the, mm -hmm. the work back on your plate, um, which which is also important, too. So, um, yeah. So one, thank you for sharing. I know I put you on the spot there, but I want to thank you for having. Me. Yeah. So. um I am going to reserve my what you know who I'm thankful for for the next segment. Um, but what we're going to do here is we're going to close out this segment, right? We talked about generational communication, the things that we need to think about, what we need to factor in when we're dealing with people on both sides of the professional spectrum or or age spectrum. What we're thankful for, um, yes. and uh, yeah. So uh, if it's your first time tuning in, one thank you for tuning in to Leadership Is Tricky here on the, the eve of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we're here at uh, the Penta Hotel um, on our next episode. Uh, myself and Dr. Carter will open this up and we will have uh, uh, the regional president for AUSA here in Europe. We will have the chapter uh, president as well as the, um, the host of this event uh, here at the Penta Hotel, where we'll ask them why they do what they do. So um, if it's your first time on, thank you for, for tuning in. If you're a return listener, thank you for your uh, dedication, your subscription. If you're looking at the video, give us feedback on what you think about the show um, so we can uh, continue to share and grow this thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so soon we will have uh, Stephen uh, Alec back with us on an episode. You know, he's been, uh, you know, transitioning to the States, getting his footing down with his family in San Antonio. We will have Dr. Carter back on uh, for, for subsequent episodes to enlighten us with his, uh, you know, his scholarly ways. Um, you know, I, I typically come on here, come off experience, but he's coming with data. He's coming here with documentation and references uh, in APA format. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah, but no, uh, with all seriousness, uh, thanks, guys. And uh, we'll see you on the uh, next segment with uh, our AUSA leaders. Um, and, and partners. All right. So 
Uh, Dr. Carter, any, any final parting thoughts? I just want to wish everyone a happy, joyous, and safe holidays with your friends, families. Please be safe. All right. Thank you, team.